0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Through Their Eyes podcast, a podcast where we get a chance to look at the world and the church through the eyes of those around us. I'm your host, Caleb Rutherford. And I'm your host, Michael Clark. And we are so excited that you have joined us for our very first episode of our summer season content. For 2021, obviously, this is a little bit of a different uh, program and a little bit of a different schedule um, as you're normally used to for our regular content. Normally, we have episodes that come out every single day. Over the summer, we're going to have episodes that come out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And Michael, um, why don't you go ahead and introduce this particular podcast and kind of give our listeners an idea of what to expect over the course of the next nine weeks?
1: Yeah, obviously, it's going to be a little different from our regular schedule. All of our hosts are taking a break. For the summer with so many camps and other things going on, we didn't want them to have to record. And so we decided to come up with an idea of a a podcast where we could talk to preachers or anybody really about what's going on through their eyes. How they're seeing certain subjects and how they have read the gospel and seen what the gospel has to say on it and how they can promote what the Bible teaches. And so this summer we're talking to ministers and that's what we've called this podcast is Through Their Eyes and this summer is Ministers. And so we've got a lot of different subjects all the way from abortion to family to uh, media in the church. There's so many different things that we're sure. going to be able to talk about with so many different people. And so I'm looking forward to it. And then the, uh, the next episode... That we've got with Dad, I'll also introduce them. But it's it's way more lighthearted than we've ever done, right? But there's a place for that, and we'll talk about that sure. in the next episode. No
0: doubt, we're especially grateful uh, for all the guests that we have had on, um, and will have on over the course of the next couple of months. We're thankful for the time that they have given to us to do this podcast. I do want to make a disclaimer here as we begin. You might be hearing a lot of background noise that you otherwise do not normally hear uh, when you listen to our podcast. That is because we are recording on Thursday of the 2021 MSOP lectures. And so obviously we're grateful to be here, but we are recording in the display area. So there's a little bit more background noise than normally you hear. Hopefully we're able to get through uh, this podcast. Just as always, as we do for all of our other episodes, if you can uh, go to our show notes below, that's all of our social media links are there as well as our email address. And also if you can give us a rating or review uh, whatever platform it is that you use, that certainly would help us uh, as we go forward. We do have a special guest and we will continue to have guests on all of these podcasts that we do over the summer but today we have a very special guest for the bj clark thank you so much for joining the podcast today
2: it's my pleasure to be here guys thank you for what you're doing absolutely um we're grateful that you took time
0: out of your schedule i know especially here at the lectureship, right. very busy busy yeah. time probably the <laughs> worst time we could have asked uh, for you to be on the podcast why don't you go ahead and uh give an introduction of yourself to our audience
2: Yeah, my name is uh, BJ Clark, and I was privileged to be raised in a home that became a Christian home. My dad was uh, converted while he was uh, overseas and then later converted my mother, and then they taught us children. And I went to Freed Hardiman, met my lovely wife there. And uh, from that point on, lived and preached in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, After full time work there, I moved to South Haven, Mississippi, and then uh, 1991 to 2007, then in 2007, I became full-time at the Memphis School of Preaching. And so uh, it's been a privilege to work here. And I started directing the school in January 1 of 2013. So uh, I never did think as a little boy I'd get to work someday at the church or the school rather where my dad went to school but that's been a blessing and also a, a responsibility no
0: doubt well I, actually now that i think about it all of our hosts um who and they've all been through the myth school of preaching but they've all had you as a teacher and a director and obviously something mean yeah. that's where we're all extremely grateful for for all the work that
2: you've done i'm grateful for the fact that if you guys got out of school You took what you'd learned and keep adding to what you've learned, and now you're using your talents to spread the gospel as far and wide as possible, to scatter it abroad, as your title says. I I commend you for your vision to see souls in the places that you all are are getting this message.
1: Well, thank you, and uh, I'm going to call... B.J. Dad for the whole
2: program because
1: that's who he is to me, in case you didn't know. Uh, And so, uh, Dad, we're we're talking about cancel culture today, Mm -hmm. and we've heard a lot about that over the last few months, but maybe even the last few years. But what really is cancel culture, if you had to describe it?
2: Sometimes that depends on who you ask. Sure. Uh, Cancel culture, the way it's usually defined nowadays, it seems as someone does something or we find out they did something many, many years ago and uh, that some folks don't like or don't agree with. And so they write them off and uh, suggest that uh, they should never be listened to or heard in any way, shape, or form. And the reason I'm being careful about this, I guess, is because I don't want to ignore the fact that there's a sense in which God has the right to cancel a culture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look what he did with the Amalekites. God has the right to cancel... Someone's access to a blessing, such as the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and God has the right to uh, cancel certain things as uh, unacceptable, and to say, "Look, if you're going to engage in this behavior, there will be consequences." But what troubles me is we've got folks today who are canceling quote unquote people over matters that God has would certainly not cancel them over. Uh, if you stand up for the unborn today mm. and someone finds out about it in the liberal media, they're going to try to cancel you. And yet God would praise you for standing up for the unborn. And so I think the, the cancel culture uh, definition sometimes depends on who you're talking to yeah. and exactly uh, what their view of it is.
1: And it's, it's far-reaching, too, because nobody's exempt from being canceled in their minds today in certain areas. And in fact, I think about John 10, 30, where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And the very next thing that the Jews wanted to do was cancel Jesus. They wanted to take his life from him. Because in verse 31, it says the Jews took up stones to stone him. Right. And so what Jesus had said was the truth, but they didn't like it. And therefore, they wanted to to take away his right to say that by killing him. And we see a lot of violence in, in a lot of times in the New Testament, the Old Testament, Uh, We've even seen childish behavior where people would stop their ears and kind of scream like children when they didn't like what they were being told. And the the idea of cancel culture is definitely something that, like you said, there's a balance to it. But we seem to be seeing a a tip of the scale, it, it almost seems, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, and that culture, cancel culture illustration you just talked about. They tried to cancel Jesus, but not for any wrongdoing that he would officially done. They couldn't find any wrongdoing, so they had to hire false witnesses. And I'm sometimes concerned today that people would even manufacture accusations against someone. We ought not to be doing that. At the same time, we're not perfect people. And one of the things that troubles me, guys, about this is that there's an element that if you've ever even made a mistake though you might have been a teenager right when sure. you did it and an, an impressionable young teenager that just was still learning about life it's it's ludicrous to me that we've got folks who are wanting to take people now 12 15 years after something they wrote or said as an 11 year old right and they're wanting to act as if you should be judged Never expect a man's head on a boy's shoulders. Sure. Uh, Now, you never want to leave a boy's head on a man's shoulders. And so if you don't train him when he's a boy to become a man, you're going to have a problem there, too. But it's ludicrous for us to suggest that people can't make mistakes that they later learn better. And we've got to have some grace and forgiveness to be willing to say to people, you just didn't know better then, but you've changed. And that's what matters. What have you done lately? Right,
1: right. We, we can't vote until we're 18, but we can be canceled for something that we said yeah. at 12, right. 11, whatever. And th- there seems to be some some fallacy to the logic there that they, they admit we're not old enough to know how to vote and to use our brains properly. But, well, you should have known better about this that can even be more serious than casting a vote. So there's definitely got to be, like you said, some grace
0: involved in this. I think it's so much people like almost love and strive for that kind of division to Mm -hmm. see what we can do to stir people up and to create all kinds of chaos uh, among people around us. And I guess it kind of boils down to this next question is why? Why has this been something that has come on so strong? Because this is not something we really heard about go five, 10 years ago. You know, We didn't really hear about this idea of cancel culture. So why in the last couple of years, why has this come on so strong among people around us?
2: My judgment on that for what it's worth is this. There is a battle going on in our country between right and wrong, between truth and error, between conservatism and liberalism, both in the religious realm, the political realm, etc. And people are lining up, and they're being told, pick a side right now, choose a side. And if you're on our side, you're going to have to say that these people are horrible, despicable people. You can't be on our side and even be friendly to these people you're going to have to not only oppose them this is what troubles me you're going to have to hate them mm-hmm. you're going to have to hate them for what they believe look i disagree with everyone that's against the unborn but i don't hate them right i want to help them <clears throat> i love them god loves them and so this idea that why why it exists i think it's because truth and light are are one category. Darkness and error in the other category, and light and darkness cannot coexist together. And so people start uh, choosing up sides to try to force you into making a decision right now that will empower them to oppose uh, those who believe the opposite of what they do.
0: No, No Yeah, I think that some people, they look at this idea of if you disagree with someone, like you said, it automatically means, oh, you hate them. I think, Michael, yes. in a couple of episodes, obviously we've recorded it before, but I think we talked about this idea of yeah. just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean that you hate their guts and right. you want everything horrible and evil to happen to them. Um, and like you said, we disagree with every single person who lives a lifestyle that is against a, the Bible, but it doesn't right. mean we hate them. And in fact... We, if we truly love them, we're going to do our best to tell them what they're doing is wrong and show them through the scriptures, here's what you need to do,
2: here's how you need to fix your life, and do these things according to the Bible. And think about this. It's over matters of opinion are different than matters of faith. For example, Paul and Barnabas had a sharp contention about whether to take John Mark with them on the second missionary journey mm-hmm. because he had, for whatever reason, departed from them at the first missionary journey. Barnabas wanted to take him. Paul said, no way. And so here's what I'd like to point out, though. Paul and Barnabas went their separate ways. Paul went with Silas. Barnabas and uh, and uh, John Mark and others did their thing. And so, but neither one of these individuals tried to oppose the work of the other in And try to cancel them and get other brethren to say, I'm not going to use Barnabas. Barnabas didn't go around saying, hey, if you use Paul, then you're not on the side of truth. Because it was a matter that did not. But I'll tell you this. If Barnabas had been going around teaching baptism was not for the remission of sins, Paul would have had to oppose that. He would have had to reach out to cancel that uh, influence because... That is exactly what you see when you read the writings of Paul. Sometimes he doesn't mention the individuals who are doing wrong. He says sometimes some do this. Other times he says Hymenaeus, Philetus, Mm -hmm. Hermogenes, Fagellus, Alexander the Coppersmith, Iodius and Syntyche, all these people. Jesus didn't always identify every single group, but he did sometimes say Pharisees, Sadducees, and uh, he was trying to cancel their influence there are certain people we do need to try to cancel their influence because it's destructive sure but others you know over matters of opinion no paul and barnabas fortunately later on were able to come back together and that's what we hope will happen for some of these folks that are sidelining themselves now against one another
1: it's interesting cancel culture is also called call out culture And that's the one that we really would be more in line with from a biblical perspective of of calling out what sin is, just like you mentioned with Hamanidus and Philita, and these people that needed to be stopped. In fact, Paul says as such in some cases, whose mouths must be stopped in Titus chapter 1. And you, you do not need to give them a place, cancel them. But he was not shy from calling out names. He was not shy from telling people who was in sin and in error. And yet, when we do that in the right way, God is glorified. But what we're seeing is more of an easily offended culture, sure. more and more. And I, I find it interesting that growing up, you know, we were always taught, rub some dirt on it and go about your day. <laughs> and yet, for some reason, my generation and younger are, are so easily offended, and they're so concerned about feelings over facts and all of these other things. And so when it comes to people being easily offended, how how do we go about teaching the gospel, does that really affect the way we're supposed to teach and preach?
2: Right. That's a good question. You know, Jesus in John chapter six taught some things. And when he finished, he said, does this offend you? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he knew that it possibly did offend them. In fact, he knew that it did. Uh, John six sixty one is where he asked, does this offend you? The Bible says in verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus then looked at the 12 and said, will you also go away? And Peter understood there wasn't anywhere to go. He said something so marvelous here. Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure you're the Son of God. So let me point this out. These people left Jesus because they didn't like what he was teaching. They canceled him as one influencing them because they didn't agree with him. This was on matters of faith. This same Simon Peter who said these wonderful words here in John six sixty eight, Paul had to withstand him to his face That's right. because on a matter of faith, showing racial prejudice against the Gentiles when the Jews would come to town, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles when the Jews came to town. When the Jews were out of town, he was fine to be with the Gentiles. Paul in Galatians chapter 2 called him by name, said he had to withstand him to the face. He was trying to cancel that influence without canceling him as a gospel. We need to learn the difference between trying to cancel someone's influence and trying to cancel them altogether. Paul didn't write Peter off and say, therefore, he's not a gospel preacher anymore. He did try to, though, correct his thinking when it needed to be corrected. And if Peter had been like a lot of snowflakes today, he would have completely melted and he would have said, I'm done, I quit, right. I won't preach anymore because did you hear what Paul did to me? Right. And then he wrote about it and put it in a book, and now right. the whole world's going to know about it. And that's not what Peter did. Right. And we can't have this attitude that if someone ever hurts my feelings, I'm going to give up on preaching the gospel. If, if that's the case, I'm convinced Jeremiah mm. and men like sure. that in the Bible are there to try to tell the rest of us, hey, man up. I've been through this. My own countrymen rejected me, mm-hmm. and yet, just keep on keeping on. Sure. Preach, preach, preach.
0: I think this—it goes back to this idea uh, of being humble, um, especially I guess when we're on the other side of that cancel culture. If we say something that needs to be corrected, then we need to understand that we have to be humble enough to take that correction right. um, and to be willing to 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 see where we made that mistake and to go back over and to change it. Um, and I think that's so important and obviously i think as we go into this next question it's kind of i guess we've kind of already talked about it to some extent but what's the involvement of christians in cancel culture is it is that idea biblical is it um possible to be i guess maybe on the wrong side of it um as we go through talking about this idea of cancel culture
2: yeah you know, there are attitudes that can manifest i was thinking of galatians 6. here's a man according to verse 1 who's overtaken in a fault now, the one extreme in cancel culture says you can't ever say anything to hurt someone's feelings or to confront them about their transgression because that would be something that would hurt their feelings. And if you hurt our feelings, we cancel you. You're out. Paul says, no, if a man's overtaken in a fault, you with your spiritual, notice the goal is not to cancel. The goal is to restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness. Now, there's a a big part of it right there. If I come at you with all kinds of guns blazing and an attitude of just, you know, superiority and arrogance and try to tell you how wrong you are, what are the chances you're going to receive that well? No one's going to receive that well. But when you do it in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, then... Paul doesn't say, Galatians, if there's someone in your congregation, don't say anything to them if they're wrong because that would hurt their feelings. But neither does he say, interestingly, neither does he say, cancel them without a moment's notice. Don't even talk to them, just write them off immediately. The church at Corinth had so many problems, guys, so many problems. I guess Paul could have written a letter to the whole brotherhood right away and said, Because of the following problems in existence at the church at Corinth, they are no longer brethren. We've canceled them right now today, effective immediately. Is that what he did?
0: No. He
2: wrote them a letter. Then he wrote them another letter. He wrote them another letter because there's a first letter he wrote them that we don't have that uh, God knew we didn't need to know all things pertaining to life and godliness. So we've got all. But in those letters, what was Paul saying he was confronting their sins. He, sure. was, he was approaching them about their problems and he wasn't avoiding, you know, confrontation. He was just finding that balance between writing them off immediately <clears throat> and acting like, Hey, anything goes, you have your truth. I have mine. And so uh, you have to appreciate the fact that uh, the Bible shows us a great balance between how to do this. There are times when we have to, that same apostle told them to withdraw their fellowship from a disorderly brother that was having relations with his stepmother in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And so he told them to deliver that person unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh to withdraw their fellowship from him. That's canceling your time with them, cancel your association with them in a a social way. So I can't say the Bible never, never counsels someone to practice a cancellation of a relationship. But the goal there is not so much canceling it as jolting them into restoring it. That's sure. the whole goal.
0: I think that's so important that you mentioned, too, the way that we go about doing it. Yeah. Because like you mentioned, if we're on the other side of that correction and we're getting hammered and drilled, and obviously there's no love in it, then I mean, I can't blame someone for not wanting to ever come back because of the way they were treated. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we have to make sure that we, for Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love, do it with the right attitude and the right mindset. And if we do that, we'll have a much better response. I just uh, came from listening to Brother Whitaker. Obviously he's very passionate about evangelism, but one of the things that he talks about, and this goes for evangelism or just going to a brother or sister or anyone about anything, you have to have that relationship and you have yeah. to have that right attitude of love. Otherwise, no ground will be made. And in, you'll probably end up doing more damage um, than good if you don't have the right attitude about it.
1: That word restore in Galatians 6 is the idea of like mending a net. Same word used in passages where it talks about the apostles, the disciples, mending their nets together, uh, mending a broken bone back together. And so there's some care involved in those things. And I, I remember watching TV shows like Hawaii Five O or Blue Bloods and there's a bomb on the show. Right. And that's the main point of the whole episode. And they finally narrow down where the bomb is located. And they don't say, all right, everybody, ready? Aim, fire. They send in some little robot. There's, there's like 20 minutes of the show dedicated to defusing the bomb. Right. Because they know what can happen if they do it the wrong way. And it almost seems to convey the same mindset when we find someone in a fault that we approach it with such care and consideration because not only could we stumble, according to what they says in Galatians 6.1, but we could make it an even worse problem than it was before by us not handling it the right way. And that's really what we're seeing with cancel culture.
2: You mentioned the doctor mending a bone back together. Can you imagine breaking your bone? You go see the doctor, and he comes in and starts manhandling you <laughs> as he turns you over on the table and completely shows no concern whatsoever for your pain. That's that's one thing, but to say I expect him to mend this without an ounce of pain on right. my part, right? That's not going to happen either. It's the approach, it's the intent and the manner, and that's why James chapter five says, if you convert someone from the error of his way, you've saved a soul, right? And you've 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 saved a soul from death and the second death, which is the lake of fire and brimstone. So I need to sometimes confront, but the way I do it needs to be done with the gentleness of a doctor or nurse.
0: I think there's pain on both sides too of yeah. that. There's Good pain point. in the one who goes to talk because it's pain. It's painful to have that kind of right. uh, interaction and conversation with someone. But then there's also pain on the other end of that coin <clears throat> for the one who understands that they have to change and that they need oh. uh, to be better in, in what they do. Um, but that doesn't mean that that should deter us away from either one of those things. Right. Um, because, I mean, no one said that Christian life is, you know, rainbows and butterflies. It's, it's a difficult life that we live. But in the end, obviously, as the song says, heaven will surely be worth it all. It mm-hmm. will certainly be worth it all. Uh, we just have to make sure that we are diligent in, in what we do.
2: In Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, he says, Now foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they do gender strifes. There's some folks who are causing strife by the way they go about doing what they're doing. But the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. But notice that doesn't mean avoiding teaching. He's to be apt to teach, but how's he to do it? Patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. What's the goal? Mm -hmm. If God peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. That's the goal. I do not want to cancel anyone. God doesn't want us to try to restore someone with an attitude of, hey, we're here to tell you we're going to withdraw from you right away if you don't do what we say and uh, there's nothing you can do to stop it. It is do everything you can to stop it, but then if you must... You have to do what God said, to do in 2 Thessalonians 3 6, and that's withdrawal from every brother that walks right. disorderly. Right. But you don't short, short circuit the process and right. just cut right to the cancellation part.
0: And that's not to say that it will always work either, right. too, because, and we, <clears throat> in a couple of episodes, you're going to hear Brother Derek Cobel come on and talk about kind of the things that happened at West Sparta with, with their situation of having to withdraw from someone. And that's a perfect example of showing how they did all the necessary steps and yet the end result was not what they hoped it to be. Right. But that doesn't mean you don't do it. Right. That doesn't mean you can't keep being diligent and doing the work of the Lord and trying to help those around you um, get to where they need to be.
2: That's exactly
0: right.
1: I know it's hard. I, a couple of years ago, someone came up to me and they handed me a a five-page document, and they said, these are all the things you as a Christian should be avoiding. And on this document were things like Heinz Ketchup and other, because of the sinful practices of something that had been done. And so he he expected me to take that list and avoid every single item on that list. And I remember, I think I called you, Dad, and I asked your opinion on that, and I'd like to ask it from this perspective because the month that this is going to air in June is known now, unfortunately, as Pride Month. Mm. And in our world, we we have commercials where Verizon, AT&T, and other companies will start promoting gay pride. And so the, the difficult question for Christians now is, how as a Christian, following cancel culture from both sides, can it be consistently followed? Where do we draw the line from the Christian perspective? And what is really the end result from the non-Christian perspective of, we just want to cancel everything?
2: Yeah. People need to try to understand that if you're going to boycott something, that's your personal choice. I wouldn't tell someone they have to buy Heinz ketchup, but neither would I say that anyone out there who's trying to bind their boycott list on everyone else could be consistent. Here's why they may not even know right. that the people that own a certain grocery store is the Mormon church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I'm not suggesting for one moment that people that shop at the grocery store, not not knowing that, are deliberately trying to advance the cause of Mormonism. Right. And most folks that I know would say, in fact, I've met many who would say, I can't eat at a certain place because they serve alcohol there. Okay, well, that's your choice. I myself don't want to sit in the bar area or anywhere close to a bar area if I can avoid it. But that same person will go to the grocery store where they mm-hmm. also sell alcohol yeah, sure. and buy products there. <clears throat> and so a lot, a lot of times there's an inconsistency here. And uh, you say you can't use this group because did you see the latest political statement they've made? Okay, where do you shop? I shop at this place. Oh, do you know what they said? Right. Uh, you didn't know it. You didn't know it. And pretty soon it gets down to the point where I mean, everyone has to be fully persuaded in his own mind. Jesus said in John 17, you know, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but I'm praying that the world doesn't get into them. We've often said the boat can be in the water, but if the water starts getting in the boat, that's when the problem comes. Right. Right. And we have to live in this world, and we're surrounded by worldly things, even that we're not seeking. We just have to make sure that worldliness doesn't get into us.
0: No doubt.
1: And it's it's... It's hard too because it, it, I asked you know someone one time when they asked me this I said well where do we draw the line because if I go to Wendy's and I buy a hamburger once I hand my money over that money is going to be turned around and given to the employees of that specific location and maybe someone's going to use some of that money to go buy alcohol well I didn't endorse that I didn't I didn't say that that's what I wanted the money to be used for but once it leaves my possession. It's no longer in my control, right. and so I can't control people, and I think that's really yeah. the ultimate issue with cancel culture, don't you think, that we're trying to control people instead of controlling sin and things that need to be taken and put into the right place, where instead we're trying to tell people what they have to do and how they have to think.
2: Look, those people who pay their taxes, I can guarantee you, <laughs> yeah. <so> realize, <clears throat> should realize, just because I'm paying these taxes doesn't mean I approve of every way the government might choose to mm-hmm. use the money. And so we've got to be careful about uh, throwing stones at individuals about these kinds of matters right. without looking at ourselves first and saying, in what areas might I be inconsistent? Uh, I'm so hard on this person because they're supporting so-and-so, and yet I'm supporting so-and-so, and they've said just as much that's wrong. Right. So, right. you know...
0: We we get so I think wrapped up and consumed with everybody else and yes. what they're doing yes. and what they're not doing, <clears throat> and oftentimes we fail to look at that beam in our eye and yeah. you know what can I do to to fix my life to make it as as perfect as it can be, and um, in, in aligned with the Word of God. And far too often I think we forget that and we look at right. look at everyone else uh, far too much. But Brother Clark, thank you so much, Michael. Do you have anything yeah, else? It's, it's just
1: quickly closing it out on my end, at least it's the Plains of Ono with Nehemiah being called down to a battle that he said, I have no business going there. I'm doing a good work. I want to focus on what I'm doing. You do what you're going to do. I'm staying here. And that even extends to the church. Sometimes we get caught up in things that are really not our business, not our problem. And instead of just being focused on our congregation and doing what we can do with what needs to be done, we go to every fight we're invited to. And yeah, my realize i don't have to do that uh, right
2: you know what's interesting about that too what were sandballad and Tobiah trying to do mm-hmm. cancel mm-hmm. the yes. rebuilding of the walls right. they yes. were trying to cancel what was going on and use their they were influencers uh, of their day they didn't have social media at their yeah. finger, maybe that's <laughs> a blessing that they right. didn't have that many more people <laughs> they could reach right but uh you know Nehemiah could have used it too in a positive way, but I'm glad you guys are using social media in a way that's productive and helpful to others. I'm sure. Really, yeah, that, really do appreciate
0: it. There, there certainly, is a, being on, yeah. there certainly is, a, is a way to use these things for good, Brother Clark. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. sparing some time and being on the podcast with us. Thank you.
1: Now, before we close, I do want to make, make mention this Thursday, we have a brand-new program coming out as well that is uh, just for laughs, and we hope that you'll tune in for that. We're going to ask my dad – and all of the other ministers that we have on, say, Brother Alan Webster, we just wanted to talk to him about writing. Right. Uh, you know, no. But every other minister we have, they, a lot of them had crazy stories. Right. And we wanted to hear some of those stories, some of the funnier circumstances that happened to them. So this Thursday is the first episode of Did That Really Happen? And uh, we'll have my dad back with us at that time. But I'm going to turn it back over to Caleb to close us out for this program.
0: Yeah, no, thanks, Michael, for for saying that. We're obviously very excited for all of our summer content. Hopefully this episode has been beneficial to you. We've got eight more episodes Uh, with various topics, uh, with various ministers, various guests, and we're grateful uh, for what we have to offer you. And hopefully it will be something that's beneficial to you. As always, don't forget to check our show notes below for all of our social media links, as well as our email address and our website. Also, don't forget, if you can, give us a rating or review, and that certainly would help us out. And until next Thursday, thank you so much for being with us, and God bless.
2: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. May God bless you.